0: Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guest is Rob Mills, ABC's head of alternative series, specials, and late night. We recorded this via the new information superhighway, a Zoom call, with Rob speaking from his home in Los Angeles and me from my place in Sunnyside, Queens. In a lively conversation, Rob offers insights into how ABC found the way to salvage American Idol's live shows. He also talks about the business of game shows and why he wants to get a new season of The Bachelor in production ASAP. Rob Mills, Senior Vice President of Alternative Series, Specials, and Late Night for ABC Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us today through the magic of Zoom technology flying through the airwaves.
1: Yes, this is amazing. It's as if we were doing this in person, Cynthia. Thrilled to be here.
0: I'm disappointed because this, in fact, was set up initially to be done in person, but that was not meant to be. So we are being resilient and and finding new ways to communicate, which is basically the job of the entire media and entertainment complex right now. Tell us, give us a little color about how you and your team have been you know, have been continuing to program and develop and, you know, make the plans that you need to keep the robust alternative series
1: flowing to the ABC television network. Well, I mean, fortunately, I have to say, I don't think anyone has ever been busier. Uh, it's sort of been a kind of two-pronged approach. One is there's a lot of stuff we already have that's in various stages of pre- Pre, pre-production, production, and post-production. So you're getting everything kind of right and keeping those trains running. And then as we've seen a lot of, certainly on the special side, there's a lot of these specials that are being put together kind of quickly and nimbly that uh, we're working on. We're doing the, um, the Together at Home thing with the WHO that's going to air on the 18th. Right. Uh, we're working on doing something kind of with the Disney the disney songbook we're going to special there with celebrities that we're really excited about so uh there's there's still a lot of stuff going on also you know american idol which has it's just getting to its live component keeping that going and how we're going to do that getting jimmy kimmel back on the air yeah so we've actually been coping by just keeping incredibly busy and i'm so proud of my team everyone's been just fantastic and really kind of working their butt off and has it really
0: been like you know everybody you know mostly if not exclusively at home
1: everybody at home yeah i have to say it's amazing i didn't even know what zoom was how to work it what it meant and now i feel like i don't even remember when we did when we worked without it <laughs> You um
0: have you have you guys had the like you know everybody's had the story of like the really important meeting where the glitches just you know became like became part of became part of an agenda item like how working through this oh yeah
1: oh yeah we've dealt with that but we we've powered through and found a way and um and things are still still going on
0: yeah how are you, how do you work with producers who also are you must there must be a certain level of producer that has to be in a building somewhere with cameras and a, and a control board or is it literally everybody's contributing their part from home
1: no it really is everybody from home I mean I think that as we keep doing these things with each specific show like with Jimmy Kimmel that was the first one and that was really figuring out, okay, how can everybody do this remotely, and somebody going to Jimmy's house, setting it up as safely as possible, giving giving him the stuff, the sanitized cameras and everything, and doing it there, and then somebody else remotely is there in post-production, editing the show, getting it ready, and that's how all these, that's how Idol's gonna work. They're all, it is amazing now how equipped, certainly from a technology standpoint, um, we are sort of able to, to do these jobs, even with everything that's going on. It,
0: it, it, I mean, it's just people saying, but it is, it is utterly amazing. Um, are there any, are you finding any, you know, benefits at all in this work process is, are you able to be more thorough in some ways or any,
1: any unexpected benefits to this process? I think certainly it's led the way to innovation and certainly things differently and things you you just wouldn't look at and having to look at it in it through a different lens. I mean, like I said, I'm fascinated to see how American Idol looks and feels when people are doing these, these performances remotely. And what is it like? And this is a very different way of finding a winner on that show than we normally would. So I think that, it certainly is interesting and it makes you curious how it's going to be. I mean, also just right before this started, and I know we'll talk about it more with Billionaire, that was sort of the first one. We got that in under the wire and we took the audience out. And doing it without the audience made it different. And, you know, in some ways, look, you 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 need that audience. The host feeds off it. But it also was interesting to watch it and how you had to kind of innovate and really letting the crew kind of getting their reactions on audio and having Jimmy play more off of the contestant and the, the friend that they had brought to help them out. So I think that it's led to some really sort of interesting creative things that wouldn't have happened before that. And I think no matter what, when this thing is all over, you have to be vigilant about learning, you know, what did we learn and how can we use those things in our everyday production once we get back to full speed.
0: I mean I think that a lot you know it's some of this the most sort of low tech fuzzy shaky video has been some of the most compelling television that that we've all seen
1: Absolutely. I think that's that's exactly right. And it's just yeah it's it's amazing and it it, it is a testament to you know how our world is is really from that standpoint able to not only survive but thrive
0: let's talk more specifically about idol which you you know this is such your such a big set piece for you for so much of prime time for the Mm -hmm. second half of the year here so you had pretty much kind of just gotten off the ground and then, like yes. you know, not not a week in, all of a sudden, you know, the the sort of the growing awareness of of what this was going to mean. Talk about how can you talk specifically about how you transitioned that from being up on its feet with a crew of, I'm guessing, hundreds to oh, yeah. how you're doing it now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it's so funny because everything really was trending in idols' direction. I, we we started. We were pacing ahead of last year. I think that the judges now three seasons in are sort of better than ever. Their, their chemistry and, and their judging, they've really, really gotten it. I think they're arguably some of the best we've seen in those chairs. The talent was great. It really felt like this was this was a great season. Katie had announced she's pregnant. So that was really exciting every week. we A bundle of joy on the way. Yeah, it was. It was all really great. We were so excited. And then all of this happened and like everything and which I think is still the case, there's so much uncertainty. It was sort of like, okay, we're going to sh- stop down for two weeks. It's not really going to affect us, but um, you know, we'll move. The goal line sort of kept moving. And then finally, I think a couple of weeks we had to, a couple of weeks ago, we had to really say, okay, we need to think about what is this show? First it was, okay, it's going to be on a soundstage, but without an audience. And then it was, no, this thing might go longer than we're expecting. So how do we make this show? I mean, there was all sorts of things we talked about. Do we just stop down and start back up again when this is over? But who knows how long that's going to be. And you want to keep, keep it going. The audience are, is invested in these people now. And you don't want to have to then say, yeah, remember six months ago, these people that you really, really liked? Well, they're back and they're going to compete for American Idol. So I think that that was when we said, okay, how do we do the best version of this show at home? And to the producers' credit, and they're really sort of the first ones out, you know, that that have to do this. We're gonna be the first one doing this type of show. Uh, And they have just worked night and day to do something that's gonna, you know, feel both relevant to our times, but also hopefully, at the end of the day, do the, the main goal, which is entertain and get you invested and make you want to vote for somebody and, and crown an American idol.
0: How um, it, do you feel at all at the network? I'm, I'm kind of guessing the sense of like, you know, people are people need that normalcy. People want, you know, the, yes. the idea that everything being shut down just adds to our dystopian feeling. And it's kind of this is your job. The show must go on
1: that's right that's that's and that's the exact phrase we used was the show must go on keep it going people really you're right people want to feel that that the world is not shut down and i know that in the grand scheme of things this is you know it's a singing competition right but we need to know that these things aren't that life is 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 not happening here you know we need to be present and and see everything that is going on and and do everything we can to stay safe but we also we need this more than ever especially we've seen how music too especially has been really kind of you know a cure-all for for a lot of these things to avoid keep keep your sanity and just lift your spirits so hopefully we're going to do both those things
0: right can I ask you about and let me ask you about the the business implications for that I mean I, I would imagine and this is you know with all sensitivity to the situation, I would imagine that that, that there is some savings, some cost savings in not having the extensive crew and all the production elements and the hair and the makeup and
1: the costuming that you would otherwise have. You know, it's interesting. I guess we'll look and see. I'm not sure how that's all going to net out. At the, at the end, we'll look at everything and see, but... Um... But yeah, I, I have no idea if this is going to be a cost savings because you're right, it's a little bit of low tech or is it going to cost more or is it all going to come out in the wash? I mean, I know the, the set is loaded on CBS. I mean, we could go if if things, if this thing all of a sudden was gone tomorrow, we could go right into CBS and go and do big live shows. But um, right, we've got the stage ready to go. So I'm not sure where the dollars and cents of it all is going to, Pan out.
0: No, that, that'll be interesting. And of course, in some cases, uh, obviously through no fault of their own, there are crew members that are still on the payroll, even if they're not able to fly their
1: trade. So, yeah. That's right. Absolutely.
0: How, in the sort of in the bigger picture, you mentioned some of it with the, with the, and a question for you is how has Idle change for you, for ABC as a business, now that you've had it a couple of years and you, you know, it's, it, it's so clearly there's so much you know, integration with other parts of Disney now. Can you talk about how it's changed as a business from year one now that you're in year three?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, year one was a year unlike anything I'd ever experienced professionally because it was literally every corner of the Walt Disney Company sort of got behind it. They knew how great this could be. It could enhance everything. We've shot episodes at the Alani, We've had Disney night. So it's really been one of those things that's just been a great sort of brand enhancement. And I think now the the big question was, is there still room for Idol? Were people sick of it? And I think we saw that there is. You know, it's not what it was 15 years ago, but I don't know that anything is or could be. But what we have seen is that there is. this is an audience that has incredibly loyal following and a four quadrant following, that this is a show that people watch together. Yes. The fact that we had this room on Sunday night too, which just feels like that was always the family night. This show just sort of fits like a glove on our Sunday night schedule. We look at what we had before and what we have now with Idol and it's just great. So we just consider ourselves really lucky to have it. And it's one of those things that's just helped strengthen everything that the network, Things around it, I think it's paired really well with the rookie this year, um, so it's good, and to everyone 's credit here too, they really from a marketing standpoint, scheduling everything they 've not taken their foot off the gas. I mean they still treat it like an important asset, um, and I think that's been really helpful
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're taking um, as you mentioned earlier, you are taking another you know very high wattage brand name for ABC uh who wants to be a millionaire and uh, br- yes. bring, bringing it back with with Jimmy Kimmel Jimmy you've got Jimmy Kimmel uh <laughs> his productivity has definitely stepped up under your tenure heading the department between millionaire and the live from a studio live with the studio audience uh specials i butchered that name but
1: yeah i mean i've always i started in, in late night. Uh, when i started abc i started in late night so i go back with jimmy almost to the beginning of the show and uh It's been really lucky. I mean, and before all that, I remember I used to listen to him as Jimmy the Sports Guy at K-Rock and watched all his Comedy Central stuff. So I feel like I really go back with Jimmy. And um, it has been great to sort of watch him become, I mean, I always think he's been sort of the face of the network. But now, to your point, from a producerial standpoint, from now he's hosting in primetime, uh, watching the late night show really become, I think, you know, for my money, he's the best monologue, the best interviewer. So it's been sort of great to, to do this, but um, this has been really exciting. I mean, millionaire, uh, Michael Davies, who produced the original, who also goes way back with Jimmy.
0: He's a predecessor of yours in your job as he, alternative.
1: He really sort of started the, started the, the, the department. Yeah.
0: Um, And cast one Jimmy Kimmel as the, what, question reader in Win Ben Stein's Money?
1: That's exactly right. So it's all sort of come full circle. But um, it's exciting. I mean, Michael came in and pitched it. And he said, it drives me crazy that sort of the beginning of this reality boom was Millionaire. And I think we all remember in 99 when this thing became this just phenomenon. And then you had Survivor. And then you had idol and the bachelor and dancing with the stars and big brother big brother and every one of those shows that we're talking about are still on the air except millionaire and it drives him crazy and he said you know the goal of this show was always to be a an event a limited event that comes back every now and then and that's sort of how we started and then it became a regular show and it burned out and this this should be back on and i totally agreed with him and he sort of developed a really special we, we knew the 20th anniversary was coming up and he developed a way to make it feel like an event like it did before and a lot of the stuff you knew and loved from Millionaire but he also really innovated and I think it helped too having Jimmy and we aired a 2020 special where Jimmy sat with Regis and I think Regis mm-hmm. even you know Regis gave his blessing I think he's thrilled that if anyone's going to do it it's Jimmy and I think that means a lot. So it feels like it's really true to everything that made it great, but it also feels really relevant. And like I said, we did it without an audience. So it really feels relevant now.
0: Rob, on your watch, the, 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 the caliber and the number of game shows has really, has really climbed on ABC. Can you talk about the business of game shows and why they're so attractive to the network?
1: Well, they're, they're, they're great. Obviously, they're inexpensive. Um, I don't necessarily, for whatever reason, we have not done, we've not had one. And I don't think we've had one that had the caliber of success that Millionaire did back in the day. So we haven't run the sprockets off them. And it really sort of, honestly, it started when I first got this job. The first thing I knew would work, I'd been watching Steve Harvey on Family Feud forever and i knew that a primetime version would work whatever it, was. it ended up being celebrity just cuz we wanted to differentiate it from the syndicated version but it sort of snowballed from there there was no you know preconceived idea of okay once you know after celebrity family feud we're going to do eight more game shows it just sort right. of worked out that way uh that worked and then michael strain came to us and said i'm dying to do pyramids so That was a no-brainer, and then we started thinking, okay, how do we make a a night out of this? And then it was, okay, Match Game was great, and that that could be a great 10 o'clock show, and the fact that Alec Baldwin wanted to do it was great, and then these things just kept working, so it, it snowballed, and the great thing about game shows is they're all different. I mean, they're so, Jeopardy is different from Wheel of Fortune, which is different from Family Feud, which is different from Match Game, which is different from Millionaire. So, it just was, okay, let's just, if they're good, and the fact you have so much different and great talent that want to host these things, Mm -hmm. um, they really can become great, great propositions. It's fair to say that these are, you know, these are very efficient
0: hours of programming for ABC, and that does help make them attractive.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that definitely helps. Um, I think you still don't want to do too many of them or run them forever, but... um, even in the short runs, they've been they've been very good to us.
0: Is there something about the summer months, like people people, it's a little more casual. People are more inclined to kind of slip into a game show.
1: I think that's a there's a little bit of that, but also for us, it just was always that's when alternative programming really kind of premiered and where we had the the time slot. So it was it was a little bit of of both. I still think. Yeah, absolutely. You could have game work in season. I think Ellen's game of games works great. Um, I think if there were slots and there was something that we really felt we we could do more of in season, absolutely. I would definitely, you know, I wouldn't be against it. But I agree there is something about the summer you just sort of want to relax and I mean, they're the equivalent of beach reads, you know, you just sit yeah. back and enjoy yourself.
0: You guys also took a great shot this past season with Tiffany Haddish, putting her in a kind of a different in a different role that is, you know, I give you a lot of credit for seeing her in that. And as soon as you see her as the host of Kids Say the Darnest Thing, it's like, oh, my God, of course. But to see her to see her initially as a good candidate, I um, give you guys a lot of credit for that. Um The show. I thought I just. I found the show charming. Thought they did a really nice job
1: of kind of uh,
0: adding some new elements. Um, How how was it for you guys?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, believe me. I I wish I could say we were complete visionaries and saw Tiffany, but honestly, everybody under the sun wanted to be in business with Tiffany Anish. I mean, she is. The minute you saw her in Girl's Trip, and you'd seen her on um, Jimmy Kimmel Live, telling, she told this story about Groupon, if you've ever seen it, that, yeah. that was sort of, I mean, just you knew this woman was a star. So we had really wanted to figure out something with her. And then we were, look, we were fortunate that's I think it's literally just about a year ago, last April, she came in with this package and Eric Schatz, who produces Kids Say the Darnest Things, we'd always talked about it because that's another one too. Like you said, Cynthia, that you just, you grew up, you know, you 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 loved it, you watched it. There's uh, certain things that are just timeless. This is one of them. And we always said, God, if we could find the right host, it would be great to bring it back. And he, to his credit, attached Tiffany. And for us, yeah, it was like a no-brainer. We always think about, gosh, AFV, which I know you're a huge fan of as well, is such a great, it, it's been such an anchor for us for over 30 years. And what is, how do you keep that audience there? And this just was sort of like, wow, this is the perfect show to go with it. So it was, it was really a privilege, honestly, to do it.
0: Kids, cameras, and unpredictability.
1: Yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing. Absolutely. Um, actually a
0: little more serious note let me ask you about of course another one of your the great franchises that I know you are continue to groom is The Bachelor which utterly defies the gravity of both ratings and just pop culture buzz it is you know my like a lot of people my Twitter feed is given over I think to people talking about The Bachelor when the show is on in this environment given the public health situation does that make it hard to do that to do a new version of that show or or a new a new season of that show right now does that have to be
1: paused to to your point it has sort of defied graph and it's lasted now it'll be it's just about 20 years old i think it's 2022 it'll be 20 years and i think the reason for that is the show has not existed in a vacuum and it's always Evolved, and it's been different. And the the Bachelor you watch now is very different from season one in two thousand two. And I think that everything about it has has changed and and tried to update. And so I think that'll be the case here. I think everyone is looking and thinking, okay, how do we do the show now? How do we reflect the times we're living in? How do we be nimble? And how do we get back into production as quickly as possible? So I think that it might be different, but like I said, it's different now than it was ten years ago too. So uh it's still going to be everything you know and love about the the franchise and it is one that literally we have meetings every day about it. Nobody takes it for granted um so I think that it's still there's absolutely a way we can do it, and hopefully that way is going to be sooner rather than later
0: mm. when when if if everything was was You know, as as normal, let's call it. When when would you be going into production on a new ver on a a new season of the show?
1: Well, I think we would. You know, again, everything keeps moving. First, that was another one too. We stopped down for two weeks, and then it was okay. Maybe it's two more weeks. Um, We still don't know when normal is, but we're looking at as many different variations of it as possible. Whether it means not traveling or not traveling as much or not going by planes or just finding one place that we do the entire thing in and making sure everyone is tested. And so it's almost like, you know, bachelor in quarantine, basically. Um, We'll look at all those things because I think at the end of the day, this is, uh, to your point about idle too, we just need that normalcy. We need to know that these things uh, need to be done safely, but they can still be done.
0: Let me ask you, and not being entirely versed in the minutiae of Bachelors, the show, the show does, it seems to be an engine of kind of, of its own, you know, sort of scandals within the contestants or within some aspect of the production. Is that, you know, this this might be a hard question for you to answer, but is that, is that, in and of itself the fact that there's a scandal about this person or that person or something is revealed about that person's deep in the past is that all accrue to help, you know keeping the show high in the twitter rankings and keeping the you know keeping the ratings very strong does all that noise around the show really help in the end
1: yeah i think at the end of the day i found that um, i mean i've sort of i've seen it when people don't care as much and when they do and everything. And I think that at the end of the day, the the enemy of this show is apathy. When people don't care, right. that's when they... So I think that absolutely... I mean, you never like the word scandal to be used with any show. So um, some, hopefully if they are, they're minor. But they're all stuff that is relatable, you know? I mean, whether it's getting your heart broken or uh, somebody leaving you for somebody else or wanting to be loved and not finding love or never being being in love. I think that all those scandals are scandals that we've all sort of had in our life at one point or another. And that's what makes The Bachelor so universal and relatable is everybody wants love.
0: It is, those are the stories of drama going back, you know, thousands and
1: thousands of years. That's, that's exactly. It's a tale as old as time.
0: Let me ask you, when I talk to a lot of um, nonfiction producers these days, they're, there's a lot of as I don't have to tell you it's a you know the the nonfiction produ- producing world is a group of largely s- small operations many there's been a lot of acquisitions in the last 10 years and there's been some roll-ups into larger firms but if you talk to kind of the classic producer that runs you know that that runs his or her own shop and you know, can be prosperous with a couple of shows. It's it it's it's hard times for these companies that really have been the bedrock of the of this community. What is your sense from talking to people? And again, I guess I'd say, you know, setting aside of this this shock that we're in, but just generally, do you feel like there's concern in that community for people that have been very important providers of programming for ABC and many others? Do you do you sense that people are hurting?
1: Mm-hmm. I haven't sensed it yet. I mean, I think that they've been very good about being nimble and finding stuff that either can be produced right now, whether it's remotely or things that can get back up on their feet quickly. I mean, I think that you'll see, depending on how long this goes, if scripted really gets, you know, bogged down to where it's the equivalent of a writer strike, um, they might be busier than ever. Um, so I think that they're busy right now. I think they don't really have as much time to think about the hard times, but they're busy thinking, okay, what can I do? How can I be, be doing this? How can I use this to my advantage?
0: Do you feel like, um, uh, there's also been a lot of talk about, you know, kind of a dearth of, of certainly new formats, new ideas. Do you feel like you have a steady stream of, of options walking through your door? Do you feel any diminishment in you know options or formats or pitches that come in again prior to the prior to the current situation?
1: Mm, no, I mean I think that what we've learned is there might be only a certain number of stories that can be told, but it's how do you what is the different spin on that? And I think that obviously the sort of prime example of that was the Mass Singer, which is not that different from something like Dancing with the Stars or or Idol, but it really took this, this twist on it and made it feel completely different. And I think you're seeing that now with producers who realize that you don't have to reinvent the wheel or do something crazy that doesn't make sense, but it feels completely different. But just the flourishes you put on and the things that you make it feel different really are kind of what, what separated. And we're getting a lot of great innovative pitches that way. I think that a show we did last summer that's coming out this summer, Holy Moly, which was, you know, a mini golf tournament and was kind of crazy. <laughs> but the way they produced it made it feel fresh and different. And we're really proud of that one.
0: That there is a layer of humor there that was that was yeah, fun and, and could really nice. could really work right now.
1: Exactly. That's that's right. I think people will be very happy when it comes back.
0: Uh, rob anybody that follows you on twitter knows that you are a true student of television and a big fan what is your twitter what is your twitter handle
1: uh it's you know it's very complicated because i sort of signed on not knowing what twitter was all these years ago i probably would have made it simple but it's it's um milsy m-i-l-l-s-y one one three seven four so All right. Well, it's my birthday, January 13th, 1974.
0: Well, now we'll, we'll remember to send you a present, but any, you know, TV fans, fans of kind of interesting arcane TV should follow that because Rob is a good poster. Um, tell me, so again, knowing that from your Twitter feed, what was it that got you into the business? How did, what, what made you want to uh, become an, become an executive?
1: It sort of suited me perfectly because you get to develop things and be creative, but, uh, I do like the business aspect. I love getting the ratings every morning and seeing what's worked and what didn't. And that's something I always liked growing up too. So I'm incredibly lucky. What, what opened the
0: door to you? Like what, what started you on, on the path that you're on?
1: Uh, in terms of just this job getting here? This job or just uh, your career and your career in TV in general? Well, knowing, you know, I don't think I necessarily, I, I love film i love tv so even that was sort of happenstance i just knew i wanted to do something so i came out to i came out here in 96 uh after i graduated college and just knew didn't know what to do just knew i wanted to get in and somebody was fortunate enough to say go work at a, a talent agency because you'll make contacts there and again i could have been put anywhere i happened to be in tv and at that point it was the head of uh what they didn't even know what to call the the group I think they called it off network because they didn't know what alternative tv was this was (laughs) three months before survivor and you watch the whole thing explode and um Andrea Wong kind of there was an opening there as an assistant to the um, head of late night um under Andrea Wong and so she hired me and I've been here ever since but it was all very kind of happenstance just knowing that I'd be happy kind of doing anything whatever it was in this business cuz I did I did, I absolutely loved it.
0: <laughs> well now, again now you're uh, now you are an executive in charge of a whole lot of shows that we just spoke about. I know. Thank you so much Rob for taking the time out. I hope you and your family are well and stay well in all this and look forward to a, a, a sequel that we can do in person.
1: You too, Cynthia. I'm excited for that. Take care.
0: Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.